very welcome and i hope you're having a lovely gentle day filled with self-love and self-compassion my name is colin and this is the sober mess podcast and it's an absolute pleasure to have a man i'm interviewing today he's a a native of dunleary and a regular dipper in my beloved 44 he's also a pro when it comes to well-being and he's all about mental health awareness He's also one half of the duo Hudson Taylor, who are the, one of the top Irish artists at the moment, as well as being a very good friend. My good pal Harry, how are you doing, man? Colm, ah, thank you. What an intro. You're an absolute <laughs> legend. And I have to say, your podcast voice is fantastic. People won't know what you they don't know what you sound like before that you press record, but I tell you. I'm trying to go for the uh, Morgan Freeman, Andy Dufresne, uh, Jazz FM. <laughs> love it. Love your work. Thanks, man. How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. I... Uh, as you said in the intro, I'm a, a regular swimmer in the 40 foot. Now, that that would be true if I was still living in Dunleary at the moment. But I've actually been in Berlin since March, since the lockdown. Um, I've been in Germany. And so I'm I'm dying to get back to go for it. Just, just literally just to have a swim in the sea. If I could yeah. do that, I would be the happiest man. Oh, stop. That's what I was going to ask you. If you'd like you write me a song for dipping in the 40 foot. You could kind of like the chorus could be 40 dips a day keeps away the cray cray. I <laughs> um, think we could do a bit of work on that there. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. The season, man. Like, I just find that it's just great. You just jump in and it just brings you back into the present moment. I suppose it's a, it's a form of mindfulness. Like, you know what I mean? It just it regulates your breathing. You get out and you get that chill for a bit. But then you just feel all these endorphins just hitting you. And it's like you're getting in and you've all these worries going on in your head. And then when you get out, you're like, why was I worrying about that shit? I don't care about it. You know what I mean? It's like you just feel so relaxed getting out again. For sure, yeah, big time. Um, I've been doing um, here here in Germany, particularly in around Berlin, there's a lot of lakes. So there's a kind of a culture, a lake culture for swimming. Yeah. Um, and what they do is like they have a few natural lakes, of course, but they also have over the years they've like filled in old old mines and things like that, like old stone, like limestone mines and stuff like that. So they have them, they're they're man-made lakes as well. So there's they're they're all over the place, but it's really nice like way like that's what I'd be doing now tomorrow, for example, we go into a lake, oh, um, yeah. uh, and it's good. Like it's not not the sea. It's not not they're quite small. You know, you don't yeah. get that. At that that sense of vastness and feeling super small because you're still kind of in the city, but it, yeah. it's 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 a trade off that I that I uh, I don't mind too much, but I yeah I just can't wait to get back to the sea, man. But I do yeah. as well. I do. As speaking of like bringing yourself into the present moment, I I do 
every morning I have a cold blast. I do the old, try to do the uh, the Wim Hof thing, you know. Mm. I have a nice cold blast in the shower and I tell you, three minutes of ice cold water in the morning is like, it's the way to go. Man, I don't know what it is. Like, I could get in the 44 in the, like, in the snow, in this coldest month. Like, I got all, all through the winter it was, and it was grand. I cannot have a cold shower. I don't know how anyone can have a cold shower. Is it going to put one arm in at a time? Like, oh, Jesus. I don't know how anyone can have a cold shower. Like, oh, well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to try it, man. you got to push yeah. yourself. Yeah, the, the Wim Hof is good as well. And, like, so, like, what? Like, since like since the whole kind of lockdown, how, how have you been finding that in, like, Berlin? And, like, what's it like being in lockdown in Berlin? Um. German society as a whole kind of took the whole thing in its stride. Took took has taken the pandemic in its stride. It seems I think mm. probably probably down to the infrastructure, the public infrastructure that's in place. Like they, I mean, it's yet to, it remains to be seen whether they'll have to do a proper lockdown because it seems to be rising up again now the cases and stuff. But okay. certainly, like I never really in the last six months experienced any. I didn't have to do any like mandatory lockdown like like you has to do in Ireland. You know, I was out, yeah. out and about, out and about, and people take the they do take the mask wearing very seriously though here as well. So like that was from the get go. Like since yeah. March, I've been since March, I've been going into into Lidl or or whatever <laughs> other other shop uh, wearing a mask. You know, so they, they they take it real seriously in that regard. But also like, yeah, I've just found it nice, man, to be somewhere different. Um, yeah. While, while having this time time to be on my own. yeah I spent obviously I'm here with my partner but I spent a lot of my time on my own uh like during the day she'd be at work I'd be doing work from home because I'd be doing just like music stuff production mm-hmm. and things like that yeah and I just you know I've just been really enjoying it just mm. um I know a lot of people it, it seems like you kind of get a mix of both either you thrive or you or it's <laughs> sending a lot of people crazy but for me yeah. I, I kind of went, got into my stride. Like I finally was able to have a, a solid uh, routine for my, you know, spiritual routine, like a mental health routine. I finally yeah. was able to kind of have consistency. The touring life that I was kind of living before was really, um, and I don't know when I'll ever go back to that, but like it was it, just very sporadic and random and you could just be in different hotels and different places every day and, all over the shop and I, and I loved it but like I've also never had this this amount of time just to be by myself and get into a, a nice like waking up early in the morning doing my yoga eating a nice breakfast going for a walk like all this stuff it's like a I might have been on like a giant holiday now yeah um, you know I love that man it is like during the lockdown I suppose you have an opportunity to come in to sit with yourself and try new things because you know, as you said, we're in this route, this hectic routine of going to work and flat out working. And we live in that Western world where you like the more you do, you think the better you are at something. So if you do more hours at work, the better you're gonna be at it. You know what I mean? But then during the lockdown, everyone kind of being kind of kind of locked down essentially, and you're kind of left with yourself and kind of saying, "Well, Jesus, this is mad." And then slowly, kind of as you said, people either people just learn to adapt and do kind of things that they would have kind of enjoy doing like you know what I mean and getting into kind of different hobbies and you know especially sitting with themselves and spending that amount of time with themselves really she's I'm actually a good guy you know I don't know what I've been kind of running so fast for all this time like 
for sure uh yeah big time i mean it's not to say that i didn't have some really hard times like as well just sitting with myself sitting in the discomfort of of myself you know i realized yeah. i realized i hadn't actually ever done that you know i hadn't really ever mm. spent long periods of time just on my own you know and it's 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 that sort of it's what you call it, asceticism it's like you're it's a set you're like you're forced to be you're forced to be um you, you can't do things that you want to do you can't go, yeah. go places you want to go and so you have to sit with yourself and, and yeah it's been really powerful it's been really powerful and that's one like and i'd say you struggle like going from like doing the tour and to going to being in the lockdown like like what what sort of things when you were like obviously man when you were touring like say that would have been kind of a stressful kind of thing to cope with like what sort of things did you have in place to help you deal with the stress of going touring gigs like you went all you were in like uk america all over ireland like what sort of things tools did you had in place to kind of help you deal with the stress of just being go 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 yeah it's sort of developed in in the so i've i've been doing doing music as a career for for 12 years and i'd say for the first nine years yeah probably the last yeah the first nine years so up until 2017 um i would have just been on running on just pure excitement the whole time like never stopped i was drinking coffee out out all night drinking you know, just just generally just buzzed all the time and never never resting. I just I had such an mm. agitated sort of. I think I had a lot of anxiety, but I didn't. I wouldn't have even stopped for a second to to let myself feel anything. I was just like, okay, yeah. go 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 go. And then probably about three years ago, I started to become slowly aware of like the damage that was going, kind of going on around me mm. uh, with that behavior. Like I just was very self selfish and very self-centered and i wasn't really seeing that i was kind of stressing a lot of people out uh with my energy like i was worrying people um you know you wouldn't know by me like you'd see me and you go oh he seems like a happy lad but like actually under the surface i was i wasn't doing all that well and slowly over the last three years i've started to kind of do forms of work on myself to to understand all of that and to unpack mm-hmm. that. And so the sort of tools I would have been using in the last three years to, to, to cope with touring would be um, mindfulness, meditation, um, reading, listening to podcasts, uh, trying to have as much of a routine as, as it's possible to have in, an, in a, it's, it's actually, it's a weird one that when you're actually on a tour, for example, that's actually quite a structured thing. I like, like mm. you have you get you get sent a little PDF and you every day it's like this is what you're doing and you know every day that you have a sound check at this time and you know whenever I've been doing tours that's been the closest thing to to a, a, a kind of work structure that I'd have you know yeah. but but that's that being said you're still you're still traveling loads so there's still this unpredictable factor of like uh you know the next day you're in a new city or that kind of thing yeah and like it's 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 definitely not something that I'm complaining about at all. Like, um, I loved it, absolutely loved it, but it it certainly was unsettling for my mental health, yeah, um, and unsettling for just people around around me because I was just like a buzzer. Like, wanted to get, I wanted just everyone to always be doing things. Like, I couldn't couldn't sit still, you know that kind of way. Yeah, but like, do do you feel that regardless of the career, st- like 
you would have taken being a rock star or a plumber, that you would have felt that same way, that that need, the buzz, or just could ch- I, I, I was chasing a buzz and something, or looking for that excitement, like regardless of the career, the career kind of choice you would have taken. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think the music thing may have be elevated it further just because it 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 has that uh, that pull, that particular pull to it. It has that sort of feeling of of no boundaries or at least everybody project project projects on you that you know oh you must have you must be loving life must be the best thing ever and you kind of believe it yeah um you you might it may may well be brilliant like maybe you may be having a great time but i just as i said i just often often was on autopilot running around the place not not ever actually considering how do i really feel right now like do i really enjoy this am i am i actually present here or am I just living for the next thing? What's the next yeah. thing that can, yeah. you know? No, it's, it's, it's mad that it's, it's like that. Because I remember even when I was younger, I was thinking like, oh, if I ever played for this certain football team, or if I ever became like a well-known rock star, or if I ever, you know, if I ever became a fucking, whatever it was, I was always dreaming that if I was big, then I'd be happy and then I'd feel worthy and then I'd, I'd be worthwhile and I'd get all this approval, then I'd like who I am. And it's like, regardless of where you go in life or what, what, where you reach, that if you can't like learn to kind of like who you are, feel that in a void, that you'll always feel that kind of bit of emptiness, no matter how far that, that you get somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Like, I think Jim Jim Carrey came out with a statement there a while ago and, and he said like, like he wishes that everyone could experience being rich and famous because then you realise that that still doesn't make you happy. That it's like an mm. inside job. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. And like when you, like you, even started starting off and going out like and, and busking out in town and things like that, like what gave you the confidence? Like I know you and your bro are in the band together, like but what gave you the confidence to kind of get up and say, right, like, well, like, when did you guys kind of realise that here we're, we're actually good? Did you guys know you were as good as you were? Or were you just kind of going out and doing the busking for the crack? Or, like, what kind of motivated you to kind of start the busking? Yeah, so 20, I'd bring you back to 2008 or nine. Just coming up for me, I was just coming up to my leaving cert. I did my leaving cert in 2010. And my brother, Alfie, uh, who I do play in the band with, he he's a couple of years younger than me, so he was in transition year or something. And yeah, height of the recession times in Ireland, and we had just we'd been on a holiday the previous year uh, in in Italy, and I brought my guitar along and basically had the sort of foundation story of of the band was like playing covers on the beach to a load of tourists, and they were they mm. were they kind of got us to go put stuff on YouTube and put ourselves out there you know we we, yeah. we weren't really wasn't ever on the on the agenda to to form a band or anything like that but yeah then recessionary times hit and my our mum was like listen lads i'm not giving you his pocket money like i, I can't afford it really like why don't you go get, get use your god-given talents get out in the streets and do a bit of busking and to be honest we were like absolutely yeah we were terrified about the idea of doing it um but one day decided to lug my my keyboard into town like a like a full piano keyboard into town yeah we went out that first time busking in, in probably 2009 or 10 and yeah just i just hooked got hooked straight away 
Um, it was really scary. It was it was terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. But there was something about it that we did. I, I tell you, what, we went the first time and I don't think we went again for six months because we were just, just terrified. And we thought, oh, well, maybe six months later, we thought, hey, we'll try it again, but we won't take a, a full keyboard in. That was just a bit. Yeah, imagine I'm buzzing the down with a keyboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can do it nowadays. People use amps and everything like that. But like, we yeah. were just using the keyboard, like with its speakers built in, and they, they weren't even that. Loud. It wasn't even like loud enough really for people to hear. It was just a little bit embarrassing. But, but anyway, yeah. you need to do that. That first time, you need to just dip the toe and just to see, like, <laughs> before yeah. you go full, before you go full front diving into the forty foot. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But look, that's I love that man. I love that like because so many people out there that are so talented and they just just about taking that jump you know it's the fear of geez, what people think the fear of rejection you know the fear of the unknown and and then as soon as you take that jump it's like then it's normalized you know what I mean when you just go yeah. and do it, then you, you fall in love with it. and it's as well as the fall in love with that excitement of it first of all you go out and it's it's the fear of Jesus you know going out and playing in front of the band but say you're you're you love that buzz now going out and just feeling the, the, the excitement of the crowds and things like that that's it's sort of like a buzz in itself yeah yeah and then again you know not to keep bringing it back to the uh the times we're living but like honestly i can't remember what it feels like to walk out on stage um you know to, to perform to people like it it yeah. feels like a whole other world you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know when i don't know when when i'll ever get to do it again you know it's, it's just this yeah. bizarre thing where like for the last 10 years i was I always had a gig around the corner. Like, it was always like, oh, yeah, next week. Or, oh, there's one in a month. Like, that would be the yeah. furthest time there would be between playing a show. Like, oh, there's one show in a month. And, okay. I, and, I'm, and I'm still going to be hanging out with people all the time or whatever. But it's just a bizarre concept to think about even play, playing music these days, you know? Yeah, and it's mad, isn't it? Like, what was that? What sort of transition was that like from you going into a venue as a fan, looking up at the artist <clears throat> or the band? And now you're going into a venue and looking out at the crowd. Like, what? What's that like for that transition? Like, ah, uh, it's it's yeah, it's pretty special. It's really special. I mean, I yeah, I've had I've had the pleasure in, in Ireland, particularly. Of, I've got to play in pretty much every venue except for Croke Park. <laughs> yeah, not yet, not yet, <laughs> not yet. But like. But- you know, I can do a live podcast and then introduce you in next. Then you can sell out <laughs> one thousand. You get Ed Sheeran to introduce us onto the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It all started here on the Sober Mess podcast. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Watch this face. <laughs> um, so yeah, like uh, it's a beautiful feeling. You know, it's actually it's an incomparable incompar- feeling to anything. Is to like particularly to walk out onto a stage of your own audience of people who know your music, who sing your mm. songs at you, with you. Um, that's a, it's a very strange thing. It's a very strange human experience that is quite unique. Um, and yeah, but it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, I always remember like going to the, like the Olympia. I love the Olympia. And I, I used to be going to gigs there and be like, oh, love to play here and now in the last five years i've played headline shows there like three or four times and supported loads of different people there over the years you know yeah. or somewhere like the three arena like big massive barn that it is like it's crazy place to stand on stage and just yeah have have thirteen thousand eyes staring down at you like it's it's absolutely nuts 
Yeah, it's sad. And like, at what at what point did you guys realize that you were getting as big as you were getting? Like, like, at what point did you just go from like realizing from busking to kind of doing it as kind of a hobby and enjoying it? Going, wow, this is actually going to be a career. Like, this this is like, you know. Yeah, one day in two thousand and eleven, I think it was. Um, in the space of a week, we got we got loads of emails from from um like record labels and managers. Yeah, this is, so we 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 had been putting up a lot of stuff on YouTube and, and I think around that time we started putting up our first original songs. Um, you know, because it was all covers initially to to break the back of learning how to perform and all that stuff. Um and eventually you start to write your own songs. And yeah, I guess there was just this one particular week where we just got contacted by like a manager, an agent, a record label all apparently of their own accord but really i think i don't know who it was but somebody obviously tipped 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 them off you know something like oh look at these lads check this song that they'd released i don't even know the song that that we released it's it never saw the light of day so it wasn't even that good but whatever they these people reached out and that was the change really i think immediately from like oh this is just a bit of crack like we make a few things to like oh we better take this a bit more seriously if this sounds like these sounds like some cool opportunities. There's some people here in London that want to see us. There's a a management group that want to manage us. There's a yeah. There's literally a A and R person from a big record label contacting us. Like, man, I had to wise up so quick. I honestly, I did not know what any of the terms were. I didn't understand what the what a manager did in music. I didn't understand what record labels were. I didn't understand any of that stuff. I mean, not a lot of people. It's not general knowledge. Like, you really, in a way, it's not like and that. I sort of just basically spent the next few years instead of being in university kind of that's let me and Alfie both sort of left school and went to London we were like let's just let's just try and learn how to do music as a career that's see see how it goes and then we just just kind of went with it really that's crazy and like when you when you're kind of getting that sort of kind of demand do you guys do you guys like is it a manager or an agent who organizes all your gigs and the press and the, and the showing up signing autographs and kind of things like that do you guys kind of just hire people to do that stuff and you guys kind of just show up and do the gigs and kind of sign the autographs and things like that <laughs> How does it work? Oh, we have we have we have a so factory of people we have a nice guy playing guitar i'm gonna be pretty big so i just want to know all this i've been <laughs> I'm a serious singer in the shower, man. Those acoustics are incredible. <laughs> I'll send you my tape. <laughs> yeah, no, we have a we have a, a like a factory of people who are just writing autographs for us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. In there in the lockdown, we're just signing all these tapes and sending them out. No, no, like um, yeah, like you you have a, a kind of a tiered system, I suppose, in a way, like the. Ultimately, the artist is in the center of it all, and then you have like, uh, and at each you know, an artist has a manager. Manager would just do all this sort of day to day things and kind of coordinates between everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have like an agent. An agent would be booking you for your for your live shows or, or whatever. And then you might have a record label. You might have these other things. Um, yeah, and over the years as well, like we we did we did, we. we employed quite a lot of people you know you're this is another thing that's kind of strange about the times now is like up until the start of this year we were employing a full band a tour manager a sound man a 
monitor dude. Like we had, you know, 10, 11 people that we were employing and bringing around mm. with us on the tour, on touring all the time. And now it's like their, their jobs yeah. are completely, completely at um, risk as well. Like they've, they've no work for them in that, in that, in these fields. They can't, they can't work. There's no, there is no work for them. Yeah. It's mad the impact and like what what where can you see things going in the in the future for like in terms of playing gigs and just just the music industry like where can you see like like what's the future with, with playing gigs with coronavirus like? Um. Yeah. Well, I think this is here with us to to stay for the next year or so at least. So mm. it's it's a weird one. To I'm I'm not really sure. I think I see a lot of uh, people playing doing like online streamed gigs and things like that uh, and trying to monetize on those. But it's it's a difficult space, you know, because people use the internet, they kind of expect most things to just be free. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. To, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's there's, a, there's a changing, there's a public consciousness, there's awareness about, about the arts that is coming to the front a bit more. I think that people are starting to see, oh, yeah. I, you know, what happened really is like early 2000s, uh, with Napster and all that kind of stuff is it, and LimeWire and BitTorrent is that that kind of and, and I would have been someone that downloaded stuff on that as well but like that basically destroyed the music industry and stopped people thinking that they that they should should pay for music that they should support artists um, mm. and it kind of it messed, messed it up in that sense and so you, you still have a hangover from that 20 years later where people are like you know, everyone gets, and now people have Spotify and stuff like that. And but even that, it's like it's a tricky one to know uh, to sort of see that filtering down to the to the artist. And like, yeah, in terms of the gigs thing, I I just don't know. I don't know. Colin will have to be playing more, only playing outdoor shows, maybe. And people can only dance in their in their little two meter square. Um, yeah, and you have to, like less people. You know, in terms of indoor venues, it's like the winter time. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, places like in Dublin, like Whelan's, like that. With the current rules and and the current uh, thing, like you, you can only have 30, 30, 40 people in the in the room, and it's just be bizarre. Like place playing a venue that's supposed to be for four hundred people, it's not even economically viable to to have a gig at that that level. You know, you don't. No, no one's making any money off it, so. You know, it's kind of it's a it's sort of a pointless thing to do. Like you might you might get thirty people in, and you have to charge like double the price of the ticket just to break even. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to deter yeah. deter a lot of people from. And and to be honest, like I feel I feel especially bad for people really like start who were like just starting out in the last year or two because that's a real deflation thing. Like, I mean. I'm not saying that's going to be any massively easier for us, but it, we do have a, a bit of a platform, so it might be. But even at that, like our whole, my, like my whole livelihood, yeah, mine, mine and my brothers and all of the crew and the band and everything like that, well, the livelihood was from playing live shows, you know, you know playing gigs, um, and it just doesn't exist now. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a reassessing yeah. things. I could be thinking think about making my own podcast as well. and. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and uh and doing live streams and stuff like that just anything um what yeah. what I, what I, what it has been a good good thing for me personally is i i've 
shifted into the space of recording and producing for other people and you know mm. um but yeah i'm looking at things now column and i'm kind of thinking like what am i gonna what do i want to do now with my life i'm coming to the end of my 20s now um like where, where do i want to go next but i'm not yeah. the good thing is i'm not i'm not in fear about it i'm kind of like yeah i'm just open and just ready to do find my calling another calling you know i have music i'll always have that but like I, li- I like this area i like the area of mental health um you know i've always thought maybe i might get into later on in, in my later in life i might get into like therapy do therapy or something like that go back to school go back to college and do something like that i'm not sure yeah i love that man and that's that's beautiful and it's like like and as you said, like during the lockdown, how we like well, how can we adapt that we we're so set in routine? Like even you as your career being like <clears throat> being in a band, it's like even with that on hold now, like what what else can I do? And and you're talking about like doing a podcast or going on to work as like working therapy and to help people. Like and I think like w- with that man, like do you find like w- with creativity, like you obviously have a creative spark in you. Like is there anything that you do? to kind of if you've got any rituals or anything like that to help you kind of get the most of that creative spark because you could probably go on to writing writing songs or producing songs or writing like poetry do you find that like you were always creative or so something that you've learned to kind of dance with over the years um i would have found from a young age that i just had a, a real draw to music specifically and not necessarily like all roundy creative. I, I I think I think I'm I'm good good with just spontaneity coming up with things, whether that be mm. musical ideas, songwriting, poetry, that kind of thing. But also just like problem solving. I don't know. Like if I if I find a uh, something in my house that's broken, like I tend to be good at just like figuring out a way to do it you know like good di i'm good at diy and stuff like that like i like i like thinking thinking about problems and trying to solve them you know i like um, that so you're gonna go from like the band to like i can imagine you now in your own little transit van going around dublin diy <laughs> 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 well, i think i think you said you you set that in my mind when you said uh whether i had been a musician or a plumber i was like yeah you know what actually <laughs> Colin, Colin Doolan had a great idea for me was to become to go and become a plumber. Um, yeah, this I can imagine, man. I can imagine like me sitting in the house listening to your song on the radio. Next thing, there's a knock on the door, and you're there with your tail box into into fix the shower. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I actually genuinely like I do I I I do love I'd love to get I'd love to have a fucking trade. That's another thing. Like I just don't because I I went from school basically straight into just doing music. Like I don't have it's a bit it's a bit of a hang up for me i think i have a bit of a like um a self-worth issue maybe about mm. that i didn't that i never got a degree or i never went to college you know i do have that a little bit a little chip on my shoulder about it but it's not and something I, that eats me I up think like, that, 
Mad man, because like it's like people like because you would have obviously a great career playing in a band, you know. But and then people like we in there, like you, you people with degrees and masters be looking at you going, Geez, I wish I had that lifestyle, I wish I had that life. Classic, and you're the grass is always band. greener, grass is always greener. Grass, you know? it's, it's the grass is always greener, like no matter how high a mountain top you climb, we're always staring over at the other mountain top going, Jesus, I should have went there today. <laughs> I climbed up tree rock there a few weeks ago. On a lovely sunny day, and I was quite up to the top of the tree rock looking over at Cliny Hill, going, Ah, feck, I should have climbed up there instead. It looks much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the beacon on the top, like the feckin' obelisk on top of the, the obelisk, hill. Like, yeah. I used like, to call look. it the witch's hat. I didn't know it was called the obelisk. Witch's hat, yeah. I think it is. It is, it is uh, called, I think it's called the witch's hat. That's actually what it's called, but those, those kind of structures are, are called obelisks. Beautiful. Oh, oh man, I miss Dublin. I miss Dublin. I'm I'm supposed yeah. to come back now in the next few weeks. Uh, I'll see how we how we are. Like, yeah. And what like what like what if what's the first thing you're gonna do when you get back? Genuinely, I I think the soonest possible moment I will be jumping into the sea. Yeah, getting in for the dip. I love it, man. And like, and just what, what, just with the band as well, man. Like, do you feel like you obviously with your bro, you 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 grew up together. You like. Bust together, he's played in a band together. Like, you must have, must have a really, like, really close relationship with your bro. Like, how do you find that, like, playing with your brother, or playing with family, like, rather than like playing with a friend or a colleague? Yeah, well, we're always going to be brothers. Um, you know, so it's like you can't, you don't just uh, <laughs> excommunicate uh, if things are going going wrong. So it does yeah, force. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it does, it does, like, uh, we've had our we've had our, tr- our troubles troubles as brothers just in terms of communication and uh, miscommunication and misunderstandings and um, again it goes back to how I used to behave on tour as well it just was I was a bit of a madster so kind of a handful mm-hmm. to deal with so like it would have affected mine and my brother's relationship but I think like we've we've matured like gotten out of out of the well, it was just a bit of a different times in your early twenties. You're just a bit, a bit more mad. So, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, we've matured. We've both matured, and and um, we get on well. We get on well with each other. Alfie actually lives in um, in uh, Brighton in the UK. Oh wow, it's been beautiful over there. We're upside the beach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I lived there as well. I had, I had, I had lived in London for six years, and then Brighton for three years before. I Kind of came back to Dublin and now I'm in Berlin. So it's yeah, moving around the place. place. You get around, and uh, how do you find like when you get after you kind of knock the drink on the head? How did you find like doing gigs and things like that, not drinking? The first ever gig I did not drinking back last year was one of my favorite gigs ever. <laughs> okay, um, and I haven't as I've settled into to more months now of not drinking I've noticed that well I really want to play a gig because I'm more present I'm more in the day in the moment I'm I'm there but like my experience of the gigs there at the end of the year for example we played a run of gigs in Whelan's at Christmas it was like uh, six nights in a row so it was a real really crazy crazy um stand of gigs but Christmas time in Dublin was the time where I would just go absolutely mad. Um, I'd be home from London 
And yeah, just a huge ex- excuse for a massive piss up and playing gigs. And generally, I had a great time. I had an absolutely great time at Christmas always. And so I was actually quite like a little bit apprehensive about Christmas last year, um, being off the drink and doing six nights in a row in mm. that last thing. You know, I, I was quite apprehensive about it. But honestly, again, they were the best gigs of my yeah, entire yeah. They were the last gigs I played of the decade, 2019. Like it was 2019. So it was like the last gigs I actually played of the entire decade where I had spent playing music the entire decade. So it was like this perfectly beautiful round off. I was completely stone cold sober, loving the gigs. Like honestly, I'd never had so much fun. Um, just totally like in the moment, almost like time was slowing down sometimes. There's playing these songs, it's playing songs that I've played for years. But it felt like I was playing them for the first time, you know. That's beautiful, man. I love yeah, that. it was so nice, like. And like, and it's mad when you say that because I, I, I was the same. Like, I found that um, like when I just started to get be more in the present, I started like notice trees that were in my front garden that I never noticed before. Or, you know, just noticing the sky or noticing the sea and just being present, like you know what I mean. The change yeah. that it makes in your life, like. Just get that little cheesy smile going on that, that you know, you, like for me, when in this in that particular moment I was describing, I just remember standing on stage and just like kind of laughing to myself and looking at my hands and looking and like, what, what am I doing? I'm playing these chords and like I'm playing this song and all the words are just flowing out of me. And like and I'm kind of I'm kind of dancing with it a little bit, like I'm changing the melodies a little bit. I'm putting a little ornamentation and, and I'm kind of I'm just in this amazing flow kind of state where nothing in the world else mattered apart from just being in that moment and enjoying it and smiling and being on stage with my friends, with my brother, you know, it was, and there's loads of people in the audience that I knew. And uh, yeah, it was just, oh, it was lovely, yeah. man. It was so oh, nice. That's beautiful, man. You'll, you'll, you'll treasure that experience for the rest of your life, man. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you asked me that because, you know, I just forgot, totally forgot about that, you know. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful, man. I like, and again, that's how I feel when I get in the sea, man. You know, just being able to get in the sea and just brings you back to the present moment. And you're like, wow, you know, just that awe for life, you know, that, that, that love for life just comes straight back. And you're like, wow, it's incredible. Like. For sure. And like, do you find like going out to gigs, you know, like just you sometimes have to put on a mask. We say if you're having a kind of a bit down day or a bit anxious sometimes. And like, when you go out onto gigs, like, do you need to put on like, a mask sometimes to put on the smile to get the motivation like uh, Tommy Tiernan has a great joke where he's like this energetic guy on the stage and he's like it's not like I fucking wake up in the morning and run out to the kitchen and be like hi kids how are you doing <laughs> like all these jokes it's like a lot of the time he needs to kind of put on a, a kind of ma- not a mask but just put on this uh, this show for people because that's yeah, what they yeah, expect yeah. to see Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that is involved. So it's it's great. It's a useful tool, but it also is a way that you can get wrapped wrapped up in it. And um, you can trick yourself into thinking that things are OK. I think it's another re- it's another reason, a big reason why I, probably for years I was sort of just in denial about having any problem with anything, that I, everything was fine because I just put on my, my stage face, you know, um, mm. it's a thing. But 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 then I would say now since this last year like i i would have like that would have changed like those gigs probably the reason why i enjoyed them so much is because i just was actually just completely authentically being myself no. uh, 
not putting on a front, you know, just going out there and just enjoying myself. Yeah, um, that's beautiful, man. Not that I wasn't enjoying myself in the past, but it was just for a more prolonged state of, and a kind of more heightened heightened state of presence, I suppose. And, like, would you, like, what, what would be your tools for kind of de-stressing and getting yourself in the moment? And just, like, kind of when you feel that you're kind of feeling anxious or a bit down or low, like, what are usually the tools that you turn to? I have lots, lots of different tools. I use, um, like a check-in kind of thing like a just a like almost like a body check-in like I just try to just feel where things are in my body and and like in this moment right now as I'm talking to you I'm standing up um and as I'm talking to you I'm recognizing that my feet are planted in the ground and I can sort of see oh is the weight of my legs is the weight of my feet even why and then I can tell, oh actually no, I've been standing really heavy on my right leg and all this kind of stuff. And if I if I just focus on my body, if I focus on like, oh, my chest is kind of collapsed, I'm not opening my chest, you know, that might be attached to some some feelings there or something. I might might be feeling some form of anxiety or or uh, some some self-loathing might be present or some procrastinating energy is is not I'm not doing the things I want to be doing. And then shame is is hidden behind it and, and the shame kind of I can feel that in my body I can feel like oh yeah hunched shoulders are forward and like I'm tight my jaw might be clenched so I, that's my check-in kind of thing I use that in my my body just to see and I'll, 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 I'll try to use the breath like I'll try to breathe in whenever I feel like even right now you know as we're talking just and to anyone listening like just to say like just just take a breath you know relax the shoulders let your mm. let your open your chest up to the world you know let 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 the light come in let the air let fill up your lungs like that sort of tools i use that and then i use meditate pretty much every day i meditate um for if i like i, I try to do it for for at least five or ten minutes but sometimes you just two or three minutes is is my is all you might get to do in, in the morning you know i don't beat myself up for not doing it every day but but i aim to do it every single day at least um and i and by that i mean a kind of a a very quiet form of meditation because what i described there about the kind of checking in with the body even that for me is a form of meditation you know it's focusing mm-hmm. on very specific parts of my body and trying to it, it takes me out of my mind it stops me thinking about whatever i'm thinking about and just focusing using focus like using mental focus uh, on a specific body part or or a pl- anything like focusing on a plant like i'm looking at my window and, and I can, if i just stare at a plant for for a while that can just completely change me my whole mood um and i do yoga as well uh, again for the same reasons to bring awareness into what what where i'm holding stress in my body like where uh, because I sit at a computer a lot of the time playing, doing music, producing, I'll do lots of exercises just to make sure I don't essentially cripple myself from not using proper, like, you know, like the wrists and the back and everything get, get destroyed from playing guitar and playing piano. So I just have to, I just have to look after myself, Colin, and I, and I use all of those tools pretty much all the time. Like, I, like it started out, as I said, about three years ago, just getting more aware of this stuff but as time goes on it just becomes like second nature that you just always kind of go oh check in where's my body where am I at you know and sometimes it might be like an hour where I've just been hunched over the desk 
totally locked into something and not not thinking about my body but then you just go oh hang on breathe in check in what's going on shake off the arms a little bit these are all tools i use basically and talking to people as well um if i have if i have problems you know if i'm having things going on in my life i, I check in with with friends i check in with people close to me and i i I listen to that to them as well. I don't just I don't just spend all the time talking about myself. I try to listen to others and um, uh, you know help help if, if I can help help others. You know um, that's been that's become a big part of my life. Where where in, in the past I would have only ever been thinking about myself. So it's it's nice. These are all th- things I do anyway. I love that man. I suppose it's different forms of kind of meditation and awareness because I know sometimes my mind is going 90 and I can struggle to meditate but I find like things like just trying to kind of be mindful and you said like yourself feeling your body standing up feeling your chest feeling your breath feeling your feet on the floor like I do that like when it's sometimes I'm walking that I notice everything around me and all like I notice the trees what colour shoes am I wearing what colour shoes is that person across the road wearing what colour is that car you know noticing everything and all like you know what I mean and it could be like something else it could be like music or sea swimming or exercise or creativity i find journaling as well is really good that we yeah. journal every day yeah, yeah. I'm feeling or the thoughts that are going on in my head because i could have a million things going on in my head what am i going to make for dinner tonight and um, you know how am i going to fucking you know what am i going to do for work tomorrow uh i need to pay that bill i keep forgetting to do it and you know and then i go back to oh, what am i going to have for dinner tomorrow and it's i'm repeating the same problem without yeah. taking any no, action. The, journal- just- the journaling is really helpful too I, I do do lots lots of journaling yeah find that great and it's, it's also it's about finding what works for you you know like at the end of the day it's like what's keeping you calm what's giving you a bit of peace of mind like are you going to bed at night with your kind of soul at peace and i suppose that's for me is a successful life going to bed at night with a with my mind at peace and my soul at peace and that's you know that's success for me like because I, I found that when i had everything else and i still wasn't happy on the inside and still felt miserable that everything on the outside didn't really matter you know i, I remember being on beaches that were absolutely paradise and i was just so in my head that i didn't even take any of it in you know what mm. i mean i was trying to add to it i was like oh geez i wish i brought this with me or that with me and i'd, I'd appreciate it better but it wasn't it was just about being in the moment like i went yeah. to I went camping there last week man this beautiful place and, uh, you know, and at the start, I was like, oh, I'm not forgetting to bring, like, a gas heater to make coffee. And I was like, oh, this would be much better if I only brought my coffee with me. And mm. oh, I wish I did. And, I, and I'm, rather than just being in the moment, and, pre- and I caught myself doing it. I said, no, you know, this is amazing how it is. I don't need to bring it to add to this experience. Just being here, being present is absolutely phenomenal. Like, you know what I mean? And it was. But it's just that ego in us that we we try and like add. it's just that ego that want constantly wants more that no matter what we have we're just trying to add more to it or if i get this i'll be happy i'll be happy then as soon as we get it then the fear sets in that we'll lose it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but yeah man, that's beautiful so what was the best advice you've ever gotten in your life oh that's a very good question. Um, I'd say they're all the things that are related to self-care that t- people said to me that I eventually listened to. Um, that if I look back on them now and I can see like they had an effect on me. Things like 
Harry, have you? I'm I'm not pushing you to do anything, but have you ever considered or thought about going to therapy? And I remember the the gut wrenching feeling of like, oh god, that's disgusting. What are you talking about? I don't want to do that. And I did, you know, and I do go to therapy, and that has helped me. That helped me a lot, and it brought me brought me a lot of closure on a lot of stuff that I was holding on to for years. Another thing would have been, um my partner saying to me that she thinks that I was drinking too much. And again, when I first heard her say that, I reacted ter- terribly and I thought, who, who are you to say that? How dare you, you know, criticize my drinking, criticize the way I, I act when I'm under the influence of alcohol, you know? Um, and it, as it turns out, it was a very, very fair thing to point out and has absolutely fundamentally changed my life having decided to do something about it so those those sort of that sort of area territory of really good pieces of advice and also just like um creatively and in general people telling me not to take myself so seriously and um, which i have a tendency to do you know um that's been helpful to be reminded of that i think basically yeah, but- eventually people's advice becomes so much part of you in some way, if they're people that you trust and you you, you hear these like these uh, phrases, they come around and they go around and around and you kind of go, oh, yeah, there's something in that, you know, like the classic one day at a time, for example, like that's like, yeah, OK, that's a real that's a lovely piece of thing to just remember. It's not necessarily advice, but it's just like a beautiful way to to restore peace of mind when you've, you're having a, a hard day, especially, you know, one day at a time. It's like, OK tomorrow is a new day you know these these are useful things for for bringing me back when i when i when i'm losing control yeah i love that so do you mean like being always be kind of open-minded and open to advice no matter where you are or how much someone is annoying you and they offer you advice it's always be open to and take it on board yeah or or notice when there's resistance you know when somebody says something to you just notice that there's resistance to it and you don't have to respond to them necessarily in a, in a verbally and you know or you can say oh thanks very much for whatever but you just I, I try to just be polite because sometimes you know there is a, there is a line in terms of unsolicited advice when somebody you're not wanting advice you just wanted to talk to someone about something and they start giving you advice and you know you start to notice that they're, that I, I I would have done that as well in the past like people I used I used to not really be very good at listening to people and they'd be telling me something really heavy and then I'd be like trying to give them advice immediately instead of like just listening and saying, you know, okay. mm -hmm, And how do you feel about that? Like, yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes advice is, (laughs) can be the wrong thing to do for anyone or give anyone. But for me, I've tried to just take meet everyone and anyone where they're at. And if they're giving me advice because they think that that's the best thing they can do for you, then cool. But sometimes really you do need advice, you know? Yeah, I love that man. It's hard to know because I know even sometimes, like when someone would start telling me something, that I have to catch myself because I'd only hear the first line. I'd stop listening because I'm already thinking of my response and how I'm gonna fix this person. Now, you know what you ought to do, you know, rather than just like I'm like you know I'm listening, but I'm really hearing what they're saying. And yeah. I found this great in just being present and listening, and because a lot of people already know the answers are all but they just want to air it out and hear it. Uh, no, but I, I just, uh, with this, just what you were saying then uh, with the creativity, 
uh, about taking it too serious. And it's it's so true that like they say, like Carl Jung used to say, how he sparked his creativity was that he'd go outside and play with sticks and stones and look like a child. That creativity is like a childlike state, and mm. that it's to be it's to be danced with and not to be forced with. And that that block that writer's block and all is something that's a placebo in our heads that we make up ourselves that we get like frustrated. With mm-hmm. creativity, that why isn't it here? Why can't they write? Why can't they produce? Why can't they? You know what I mean? That it's sure. it's more about um, being able to dance with it than trying yeah. to force it out. I love um, one of my my favorite podcasts is Blind Boys podcast, and he was actually talking mm. about he was talking about that yesterday, and we were in a recent podcast. Somebody was asking a question about it, and he's talked about it a lot of times in the podcast, particularly though about about creativity. Yeah, I I could learn a lot from that. You know, I I, I do just sometimes just take myself too seriously and I just have to have be, be more playful with it you know um mm. just such a freeing thing even this conversation column like I when I first came on to you I think I was in a state of like right this is podcast time take it seriously you know but actually I just I just it's been a lovely chat to you like been a lovely conversation yeah, well, that was good to talk to you bro and uh, I'm looking forward to going for a deep with you when you get back in the in the in the yeah, 44. Couple, yeah, I'll be back in the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to it, man. Roy, Harry, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. And uh, enjoy dipping in the lakes. And I'm looking forward to hearing that song about the 44. <laughs> it's been absolutely beautiful talking to you, man. And enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, thanks a million. Thank you. And that podcast was an interview with me, good pal, Harry from Hudson Taylor who are unreal one of the top Irish bands at the moment check them out check out their stuff on YouTube or if you're an old fella like me born in the 90s go out and buy the cassette stick in your walkman and have a bop have a feckin bop free yourself let yourself go you've earned it and I really hope you've enjoyed the podcast and yeah if it brought up anything at all let us know give us your feedback uh, Harry Hudson Taylor can be found on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to reach out and thank him for the podcast and give your feedback, or me, Colin Doolan can be found on Instagram as well. Colin Doolan ninety one, and uh, the Sober Mess on Twitter, and uh, the Bleeding Mad Joke on Bebo. Look me up. <laughs> But um, yeah, thank you for listening. And remember, if you're ever in a stressful situation that's just wrecking your head, ask yourself, what can you do to get out of it? Like, what effective action can you take to get out of it? And I find the best place to start is writing it down on paper. You know what I mean? If something is kind of stressing you out like that, there's always some action you can take. You know what I mean? Or sometimes it's you can't do anything about it. And just to hand that over to the universe and realise you're powerless over it. You know, if you're worrying about something that's inevitable, you're just doubling the suffering by worrying, like, you know what I mean? Or if you can't take action, ask yourself, what what action can I take? Is it kind? Can you take kind action? You know, it's not going to harm you or harm other people. Um, and yeah, there's always a way of stress. Stress is... Stress... Like, people say, like, stress is... One of, one of our worst enemies and also our best friends if that makes sense that it can motivate us to change to take effective action to get out of the situations we're in but if we if we just let that stress build up and just 
not do anything about it and just try to cover it up, then it can turn into our worst enemies, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's building up and it can have all sort of, sorts of like health issues, you know, um, anxiety, you know, with stomachs with issues with your stomach, you know, IBS and all, that's all stress related, you know, and then it can go on to be more serious things, you know. Um, so, yeah, you either fucking use it as a motivator to say, right, I don't like this situation or these circumstances that I'm in at the moment, and what effective action can I take just to make it a bit different, you know? So, yeah, love yourself. Don't like, don't stay in stressful situations. You know, take some action or make the decision that you can't do anything about it. And then every time that comes, the stress is you out. Say, yeah, I've decided I can't do anything about this. I'm powerless over it. So I'm just going to hand it over to the universe and leave it at that. You know? So, eh, uh, um, slang. <laughs> slang? And have a beautiful day. And um, yeah, I'll catch you on the next wave. Good luck. Don't forget the happy thoughts. All you need is happy thoughts. The past tense, past bedtime. Way back then when everything we read was real and everything we said rhymed. Wide eye kids being kids. Why did you stop? What did you do to your hair? Where did you go to end up right back here? When did you start to forget how to fly? Did you smoke on that shoe? Taste like gypsy fruit.